We've been talking on this whole aspect of blessed to be a blessing, and as you're looking in the book of John, let me greet the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. I'm grateful that you're with us today. We're thankful for each and every one of you and that you're joining with us at a Love and Truth location today. Let's get ready to hear what God's Word is going to speak to us in the Word of God today. We've been talking on this whole aspect of blessed to be a blessing, that in other words, that it's not enough just to receive, that we need to not be a sponge, we need to learn to be a funnel, right? In other words, I don't need to be like the Dead Sea. They tell us that the Dead Sea uh, takes in, but it never gives out, henceforth the name of Dead Sea, that nothing can live there, nothing can grow there because it's dead. I don't want to be that kind of a person. I don't want to be that kind of a human being, and I sure don't want to be that kind of a Christian. And yet what we find sometimes is, is that if we're not careful, we find ourselves spending our life trying to get. And, it, and it's always about receiving. It's always about getting. Instead of understanding that we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And so the first week we talked about that the greatest blessing that any of us have ever received is the blessing of salvation, that Jesus Christ saved us. And we talked about how that that meant more than just that we're going to heaven one day, but that we really have great blessings here on this earth that we need to release to others. The second week we talked about sowing seed. In other words, if I've been blessed with salvation, then I need to be like the sower who goes forth to sow the Word of God, and I need to do that generously. I need to do that everywhere I go with the Spirit, knowing that God is the one who is responsible for the growth of the seed that I release. Today, I want to talk about the subject that most of you thought this whole series was going to be about, and that is today I want to talk about generosity. Now, most of the times when we hear blessed to be a blessing, our first thought goes to the whole aspect of generosity. But, but here's, here's what I've found, is that in our lives, if we really want to make a difference, it is about being generous. It is about making a difference. I wonder what would happen to us uh, if, if we were to somehow know what was going to be put in the paper the day we died. I mean, you know, there, there, there is, is a lot of times uh, of kind of an, an understanding, well, I'm living and whatever, but, but you know that, that kind of that death notice, that obituary, uh, whatever's written there is kind of the summation of life. Uh, years ago, uh, a man was, woke up one day and he picked up the paper and he opened it up and he began to read his own obituary. The problem was he wasn't dead. As he read it, he began to read about it, and they, they called him the merchant of death. And he was called the merchant of death because he is the one who had uh, worked through the process of, of creating dynamite and all these things. And, and he, as he read that on the day, it really wasn't him. He hadn't died. Actually, his brother had died. They just got it mixed up. As he, he read about it, he, he determined at that point that he was going to change what his obituary said. He was going to become a person of generosity. And, and so he set up the Nobel Peace Prize, where it has been funded now for generations uh, by what his generosity did. Instead of him just taking and saying, uh, when I die, I don't want to be known as the merchant of death. Now uh, we all know about the Nobel Peace Prize. And, and so it, it was a change of focus. It was a change of direction. And I think for a lot of us, we need to come to that place where we change our focus and change our direction. Let, let me just say this to you. To be smart, spend carefully. To be wise, save regularly. To be genius, give extravagantly. 
Now think about that. If, if we could learn to do that, if we could learn day in and day out to live that way, generosity would become just a way of life. And, and how many of you know that it's a whole lot more fun to be around generous people than to be around Scrooge? Right? I, I mean, come on, you just know that, that a generous person is a whole lot better to hang out with than, than somebody who, you know, all their mind is about is what they can get a hold of and what they can get to themselves. It, it's better to hang out with those other people. So today I want to talk a little bit about this whole aspect of generosity. The book of John, the third chapter, the 16th verse, it's a familiar, probably one of the most, if not the most familiar scripture that there is. It says this, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Here's the number one thing about generosity. Generosity always begins with God. If you are generous, it is, it's not something you came up with. It's not something that you invented. Generosity started with God. God, the Bible says it this way, it says, before the foundation of the world, a lamb was slain. In other words, before God ever created this planet and placed us on it, he had already given his only begotten son as a sacrifice for you and I. And so we've got to come to that place as we live that we understand that any generosity, now, now let me add, don't raise your hand, don't even act guilty, but how many of you know it's easy to be selfish? I mean, really, it's, it's not something you have to be trained in. It's not something that you have to be taught how to do. You, you just kind of, I mean, we just grow up with it. It's, it's part of the natural part of who we are. If we really want to be generous, we have to learn that generosity always begins with God. It always comes through Him. It comes through that relationship. Now, you say, well, pastor, aren't there people who are generous who don't have a relationship with God? Yes, but what I'm saying is, is that God is the first one who was generous he is the number one and so all generosity. i mean if, if you look at this world i mean think think about the world and how god created it in a generous way i, I mean do, do you realize the the way that god i mean he he could have put just one tree somewhere he he could have i mean why why the sahara desert what are we ever going to do with all that sand what, what are we going to do with the mountains i mean he could have just made it flat have you ever driven through, uh, a few years ago, I, was, I don't know if it was where it was, Illinois, Kansas, somewhere. It was just flat. Where I, and I, I just looked, I said, this is so boring, right? I, I, like, I like to see some hills and some treetops going up. I mean, it's, it, and, and, but God, you, you know, God, God could have made it where we had this sun that, that was just this luminous thing, and at the end of the day, it went down, and there was another luminous thing, but he created a sunset, and that sunset was all kind of colors and all kind of, he even made a rainbow. I mean, really, this is the, this is the generosity of God, and then I meet people Wow. Who claim to be Christians, who claim to be walking after the Lord Jesus Christ, and all they want is to receive instead of understanding that they need to learn to be givers. And so we've got to understand all generosity always begins with God. The book of 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter and the 7th verse says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. 
The second thing about generosity is that generosity is the visible expression of my love for God. Let me talk to you out of the Bible for a minute. That'd be okay? I'll, I'll wait. Would that be okay? All right. The book of James, James talks about seeing somebody in need, seeing someone who doesn't have everything they need. And he said, it's not enough when you see somebody like that just to say to them, go your way and have your need met. He said, if you see somebody, he said, the, the whole aspect of faith, listen, faith has gotten kind of wonky in our circumstances. Does that make sense? I mean, we, we've created whole movements about faith. We've created, but, but James says, if you want to see my faith, watch what I do. You say, well, that's James. He's kind of legalistic. He's, you know, he's, he's almost a Judaizer. Well, let's talk about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said, I can even give my body to be sacrificed, but if I don't have love, it doesn't accomplish anything. Now, what are we saying here? Is that we're saying that generosity, in, in that whole aspect there, we, we need to understand that all of our life is lived by showing what we mean. It's one thing to say, I'm a generous person. It's one thing to say, I love God. It's another thing to live that out day in and day out. It's interesting to me, and, and I'm, again, we're going to talk about finances today, so just get ready. It's interesting to me how often Christians get ticked when the church talks about money. And yet, nobody gets ticked when Macy's talks about money. In fact, we'll walk out saying, look how much money I just saved. And you always want to go, how much did you just spend? Right? Isn't it? Y'all ready? You kind of tightened up right there. You were flowing. You were going. It was good. You know, the, the horse and the carriage were moving really good, and then I hit that money thing. It's like, uh-oh. Isn't it interesting how, how we talk about not having all the stuff while we're talking on our cell phone, driving in our car, headed to the restaurant to eat? But when it's mentioned at church, all our church wants is my money. Really? What, where did we lose it? Where did we miss it as Christians? I'm talking to believers now. Where did we miss it as Christians to not understand that part of generosity is living out and doing good and releasing what I've been given? It's not about all that I have. It's about what all has been given to me so that I can be a blessing. And so the Scripture tells us that, that we need to be generous. He said, he said, I want you to excel in the grace of giving. Now, now Romans 12, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy 
and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, now people say, oh, man, I'm going to church. I'm going to worship. The apostle Paul said worship is giving yourself, giving everything about you as a living sacrifice to God. Now, now here's the third thing. If you're taking notes. Generosity begins with my money and my possessions, but it doesn't stop there. I, I, I believe that my finances are the beginning of generosity. I believe that my, my offering and my tithe and, and bringing something into the house of God or what I do for someone else or if I give somebody that's homeless some money or whatever it is, I, I believe that is the beginning of my process. But I want to tell you that living for God is giving of myself. True generosity is giving of myself to the point that I am willing to sacrifice so that somebody else can be blessed. Now, now when, we, when we talk about this whole thing about generosity, people have a tendency to wonder, okay, how, how do I learn to be a generous person? How do I learn to, to get there? If, if you are a Christian today, the, the first thing that the Scripture tells us is, is that every one of us needs to be consistent givers. Now, I believe, again, I believe according to the Word of God, if you are a Christian, I believe that the Word of God directs you as a Christian on the first day of the week when you gather together that you're to bring to the house of God some resources. You're to bring to the house of God some of your finances. That's what the Scripture says. The Apostle Paul said, he said, when you come to the house of God, he said, set aside what you're going to bring and bring that to the house of God. He said, don't, don't just do it. He said, do it consistently. So the first level of, of living out this process is just what I call consistent giving. Just every week, I am consistently going to give to the house of God. You say, Pastor, should we only give at church? No, we should give in other places. But again, as a Christian, my responsibility is at the house that God has placed me in. Amen. The, the second level or the second aspect is I'm growing in my faith and is if I really want to move in a relationship into a higher place with God, according to Scripture, is what I call covenant giving. And, and again, it begins in Genesis and it goes all the way through the book of Hebrews that we haven't talked about, but that is the whole aspect of tithing. In Genesis, uh, when Cain and Abel, the sacrifice was accepted and the sacrifice wasn't accepted, it wasn't about blood. We've, we've talked for years it was about blood. Go and read the Scripture. The Scripture said that one brought the first fruits and one brought part of what he had in his field. And that whole thing about God not accepting wasn't because one brought a blood sacrifice and one didn't. It was because one brought their first fruits or their tithe, which means a tenth portion, and one didn't. People say, well, tithing is Old Testament. No, tithing was before the law. 400 years before the law was instituted, Abraham paid tithes to a man named Melchizedek. It's after the law as well. Jesus in the, in the New Testament said about tithing, he said, this you ought to do and not leave the weightier matters undone. In other words, Jesus said tithing ought to be a foundation stone in every believer's life. 
The book of Hebrews, I'll go a little bit further. The book of Hebrews says, here on earth men receive tithes, but there God receives them. In other words, when I bring my tithe, my tenth portion, that first root, why, why do I do that? Do I do that so the pastor can have a job? That's what a lot of people think. That's what a lot of people say. Well, when, when pastor preaches about tithe, it must be he wants more money. My, let, let me help you. My income is not situated on tithing. I draw a salary, all right? So, so you can relax about that. The, the process is about tithing is showing the Lord who's number one in my life. That's what tithing, it's, it's that covenant relationship, and God said, if you'll do this, I'll pour you out blessings that you're not able to contain. And then there's a third, what I call a third level, which I just call generous giving. In other words, it's above and beyond what I would normally do. We, we've referred to it for years as sacrifice, and I just don't like that terminology, so I'm changing it. It's generous giving. Yeah, it, it costs me something a lot of times to do it, but it's just from the fact that I want to be a person who generously releases and gives to the kingdom of God. Now, now watch this. Stewardship is the path. Generosity is the adventure. Don't miss it. Stewardship, just being faithful, it's kind of like showing up at your job, just doing what you're supposed to do, being faithful, coming when you're supposed to be there, showing up, doing what you want to do, but the adventure is what's going to happen. I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to get, that's the way with it. Stewardship is just doing what I'm supposed to do. But the adventure is moving in this place of generosity where I begin to see the blessings of God come in ways that I can't explain. Here, here's what I found out. If you will really covenant with God about your finances, what you will find is, is that God will blow your mind. God will show up in ways that just don't, doesn't even make sense. There will be things that God will do and you'll go, how did that happen? And you'll have to back up and say, I don't, I don't even know. On, on paper, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how we paid for this. I don't know how we did. I, I mean, I, I, there are some of you in this audience who have told me at times of, of God just supernaturally paying stuff off. You'll call the bank, or, or they'll send you a paid in full, and you'll call them and say, I, I don't have it paid. And they'll say, well, we don't know, but it's paid. Now, I want to tell you, bankers keep good records. If you've ever had that happen, let me just help you. That is God taking you on an adventure that is just unbelievable. And so it's, it, don't miss this, and I'll, I'll move on to the rest of the sermon, but don't, don't get so caught up in the stewardship and in the legalism part that you forget that God is a generous God, God is a good God, and the Bible says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. God wants you blessed. God wants to enable you. You say, Pastor, does that mean everybody's going to have it? No, 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 we're going to go. I'm not, please don't misquote me. But I do believe that this adventure of generosity can take us places that nothing else can have. Now, why should I as a Christian be generous? Let me give you some things, all right? Matthew, and again, a very familiar scripture. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, what? There's your heart also number one thing about generosity is generosity changes us generosity will change you and you, you've heard me say it before but i'm gonna i'm gonna say it again you 
can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Now think about that. You, you can give to somebody and, and not love them. But if you love somebody, guess what? I mean, if you love your kids, we're in this whole holiday season, I guarantee you, you you're, you're going to give them something. You're, you're going to bless them. Why? Because that's what love does. And so in this whole aspect, where my treasure is, there's my heart. So if my treasure is on earth, guess where my heart is? Come on, you can work with me. My treasure is on earth. My heart is where? It's on earth, right? But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So as I'm doing what God's told me to do, as I'm being generous in my giving, as, as I'm coming week in and week out into the storehouse and bringing the finances that God has blessed me, as I do that, I am changed, and I don't, watch this, I don't just do it when I go to the house of God, and, and I, well, I've met my legal requirement. No, it becomes a lifestyle to me that I begin to live a, another way. Not only does generosity change us, but, but look in Matthew 6, 25, uh, and through verse 26, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes i mean come on really i mean we spend so much time so much effort so much money and and jesus just says to us look you're, you're more what he's saying to us is you're more important than what you wear now i know madison avenue doesn't want us to believe that you know, you're more important than those owls. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Look at that last sentence. Are you not much more valuable than they? The, the second thing that generosity does is that generosity frees my heart. He said, don't take thought of what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. He said, you're much more valuable than that. See, we, we miss that. Do you realize God considers you and he looks at you and the Bible says he knows every part of you? In fact, it says that he knows you in such intimate detail that he knows how many hair there are on your head. Now, for a few of you, I do too. <laughs> Sorry couldn't resist what, what he's saying to us it's not about you know eight thousand hair follicles or what it's it's the, what he's saying to us is is that you are so important to god that he knows you intimately he knows everything about you now if that is true then why do we live such clenched tight lives why is it that we live lifestyles that just hold on week in and week out and try to no if i'll come to that place of understanding generosity frees my heart and you know what i know he gave it to me and i know if i'm open-handed with what he's given to me he'll bless me 
he'll bring more into my life. The third thing is also in Matthew 6. I quoted it earlier, but we'll say it again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, 633. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The third thing about generosity, why do I need to be generous? Because generosity helps me invest in what matters. 2008, a lot of you woke up and what you thought you had, you no longer had. You say, Pastor, don't remind me. I'm with you. I understand. All that money that we had put back, all those things we had done and, and we had placed our hope and our trust in, and America had been on this seemingly endless run of, of, of good financial prosperity and good things and, and what we put away in our 401Ks and for retirement and our homes and all that. And, and within just a few months, things that we had depended on, banks, institutions that had been around for years and years and years, and everybody said, oh, man, they're as stable as can be. That quick, they went out. That quick, you lost half of what you had in the stock market. That quick, why? Because in this world system, it is going to fluctuate. It is going. There are going to be great times of economic upheaval that you're going to go through. But Jesus said, if you'll set your affections on things above, whatever you've stored. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Whatever you've given in the name of the Lord, whether that's in your tithes or your offering or whether that's to somebody else, somebody you've been a blessing to, I want you to know that whatever it is that you have ever stored up in heaven, still there. Heaven has not crashed. The economy of God is stable. God is taking account, and he is keeping a record. And he knows. The Bible says that he knows even when you give a cup of cold water in his name. And he says, if you'll do that, you'll receive a reward. See, those that have been blessed by God become blessers for God. That's what it means, I'm blessed to be a blessing. So how do we do that? How do, how do we practically live this out? I, I want to give you three things real quickly. How do I practically live this out? Number one is I give my time. There, there are all kinds of ways that you can serve other people and you can be generous without giving one dime. In fact, if, I don't know if, how many of you are like me. I would rather, now when I say this, I'll have somebody come to me after church and ask me for it. There are a lot of times in my week, I would rather give you $100 than give you an hour. Somebody will come to me after church and say, Pastor, I was going to ask you for an hour, but I'll just take the 100 <laughs> All right? So don't come to me, all right? 
But, but you, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, there are, there are those moments that you're so big, you've got so much happening that, that it's easier, you know, it's, it's easier to walk by the bell ringers at, at, you know, Kroger's or Walmart or wherever and, and plunk $5 in than it is to go be a bell ringer. So see, generosity is not just my money. Generosity is giving of my time. Generosity is also sharing my talents. What is it that God has gifted me with? What is it that God has placed in me that is distinct to me? It's interesting how, how many of us all week long, we use the talents and the ability that God has given to us in our, our profession, in, in what we've gone to school for, in those things that we've learned, and that's great, but what, what could we do with that same ability? I was talking with someone uh, in, in this house just recently uh, who went on a mission trip. wasn't with this church, went on a mission trip and, and, and said, you know, by like the third day said, I, I'm not a doctor but, or a dentist, but said they had me pulling teeth. I said, well, now that takes some talent. You know, but, but it, it's, it's the willingness to get outside of ourselves. It's the willingness to share our talents with somebody else. And then lastly, it's the willingness to invest my treasure. And you know what? Yes, I believe that starts at the house of God. I believe if you're a Christian and you're plugged into a local house, it begins there. But it doesn't stop there. That's, that's why every year during the holiday season as a church, we try to do some things outside because we want to make sure, and we do it all year long as well, we want to make sure that people understand that it's not just about investing your treasure in this house. It's about investing your treasure in ways that you'll never, ever see the return. Do you understand, and I, I, want, to, I want to be clear about this, when you invest in this house, you see the return. Every time somebody gets baptized, every somebody, time somebody gets saved, every, every time a new family walks, you see the investment. But sometimes you need to invest your treasure somewhere that you never see the return. You know what? Jesus Christ is the greatest example of that. The Bible says God so loved that he gave you know what? Jesus lived that out. Jesus came to this earth. The Bible says it this way. It says that as he was on the cross, it said, despising the shame, but looking to the glory, he endured the suffering of the cross. You talk about generous. You talk about sowing in ways that are unbelievable. Jesus Christ did that for us while I was still a sinner while I was still his enemy he died for me his generosity was given to me so how can I live any other way but being a person of generosity how can you live any other way but being a person who lives out this lifestyle, day in and day out, of generosity.